Hey, Straight A's listeners, welcome back to the pod. We are really excited to be back with you guys for fresh episodes on your playlist and ready to once again get into the stories and insights about independent schools. We've been away for a minute and we've missed you and we're sorry about that. But please know that while we've been away, we've been busy. We've been curating content to entertain and celebrate and inform. So, queued up for you is a series, a series that comes off of our time on location at NAIS's People of Color Conference in Seattle, Washington. The conference is the flagship for the association's commitment to equity and justice in teaching and learning. The mission of the conference is to provide a safe space for leadership and professional development and networking for people of color and allies of all backgrounds in independent schools. This year, the pod was featured. We were a featured element of the conference experience. So in being there, we were able to spontaneously grab attendees and hear about the learnings of the day, as well as formally sit down with conference speakers and get a preview of their presentations. And you better know it, one thing we also did was just find some time to chop it up. We love the conference, and we hope that you'll love the next episodes that'll come your way in the coming weeks. So sit back, relax, toss in those AirPods, turn up those devices, and enjoy the Straight A's podcast. Welcome back to the Straight A's podcast. I'm here with Abe Waymiller, Amani Reed, and my name is Art Hall, and we are doing a recap of today's events with regards to POCC, the opening keynote speaker, uh, but just a little bit about Straight A's podcast. That uh, we are four individuals. We're missing one right now at the table. If you're if you're visual with us, Miss Andre Withers, can you raise your hand for the folks? Thank you. There he is. Uh, we are four administrators from different parts of the country, uh, serving various senior administrative roles, and we come together to share a little bit of our knowledge. Um, around what we've experienced during our collective 80 years of independent school experience. The day we had an interview with um, Cinnamon Spear, and I know that I'm I'm missing a part of her name, but that was part of our uh, first day interview process. Uh, We have some more interviews coming up, but today, like I I said, we thought we'd kind of finish off today's podcast with a little bit of what we call chop up uh, to recount and recant what we uh, experienced. Of those 80 years, 78 are yours, is that correct? The 78 are mine. Yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. So I just wanted to clarify that for the listeners. Right. Again, it's not, co- even, it's not necessarily evenly distributed across the... <laughs> coattails, the again, group. coattails. Coattails. And it begins, and it begins. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting. Um, it's interesting that last time we were in Seattle, it felt like such a smaller, more intimate space. I know we're waiting for the second mic to come back yep. on. Are we live there? Are we we hot now? We're hot now. Mm -hmm. So the last time we were in Seattle was such a smaller, intimate space. It's really interesting to be back here. I think it's 15 years later and to see 7,000 people filling that that opening session. It was not only standing room only, but they were kind of concerned about how many people were standing up against the wall. Um, It's amazing how much the conference has grown and changed. Uh, And before we even get into the speakers, I thought it was really powerful to have the indigenous presence, which I just don't recall from the last time we were here in Seattle. Right. Not in that same way, for sure. Not in that same way. 
It was, it was a powerful moment. It was a powerful part of the affirmation and the land acknowledgement, but even the call and the charge to take it beyond land acknowledgement and then to bring in speakers like Cinnamon to talk about mm-hmm. what that means for our students uh, has been a really big fundamental change. Abe, what were your takeaways from it uh, in terms of you know the morning speaker? I know you spoke a little bit about the, uh, the drumming session. Yeah. Well, I think to, to start, the first thing I'd, I'd uh, say is just to add to Omani's point about the sheer volume of that opening gathering. Um, there was a gentleman who was standing near me who uh, was commenting on the fact that it was standing room only and, right. and not necessarily commenting on that fact in a, in a positive way, right? So I think that just speaks to the fact that it's, it is different. Yeah. Uh, and for folks who were here 15 years ago, folks who have been coming to this conference for a long time, it's just it, you're seeing the evolution of it and you're experiencing it in a really different way, right? You're not experiencing it, to use your word, as, as intimate a gathering. Um, and there's part of that that is an adjustment and there's part of that that's also really exciting. There are more people who want to be here. There are more people who want to engage in this work. There are more schools that are providing the opportunity for their, for their students and their staff to be here and that piece is exciting as well even if it means you got to stand up right for right. the for the for the opening ceremony right it, it wasn't that long ago though that you could go to a session block and if the session really didn't resonate with you you could pick up and go to another session now you can't even get in the door right. of the first <laughs> session that you want to go to right. that's fundamentally changing the experience um, right. I think that's that's really an interesting an interesting part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the you know in terms of the the opening speaker, uh, Dr. Joy DeGru, um, I've heard her speak before on the topic of post traumatic slave disorder. Um, the piece that really the additional piece that she did today that really resonated with me uh, was just talking about um, was just the way she told stories. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the and the power of those stories in particular, uh, two that stood out to me. One. Uh, the story she was talking about in terms of working with park rangers at the Statue of Liberty and helping educate them about the stories that they were telling yeah, about yeah. the history of that particular monument. And the second one was the one that she closed with uh, about the nature of a, a village um, that she was staying in, um, in in Ethiopia, I believe. And, and, uh, and the fact that all somebody needed to know about who she was when she was in that village was whose house she came out of, right? Like right. just the shared experience and how that creates who we are. And mm-hmm. this is a really interesting sort of fable to end on there and point to end on there. I, I, to draw another parallel, it's interesting also to think about the conference. There's probably a third of the group here, I haven't seen the numbers yet, are brand new to POCC. Yeah. So you have a third of the people, which is... 2,000 folks who are brand new to this experience, and the real question is, whose house did they come out of? What are they they coming to the conference to gain? What are they coming to to Mm -hmm. bring and Mm -hmm. to experience? And how is that going to inform how they engage with with everybody else? I I was thinking back to, um, I had forgotten that I had heard her speak before. Mm -hmm. So you and I had the opportunity to hear her speak, uh, and actually it was the same topic earlier on in her research yes. before it had been sort of rounded out with some of the, the new pieces and the new parts of the story, yes. um, which was interesting. I, I just I had forgotten that until she sort of got into it and had a chance to talk with somebody else who, who was in that room um, and how different it, a decade makes, makes absolutely. in terms of the context for those stories. Yep. Um, 
and immigration alone, how we talk about immigration now is so fundamentally different than it was 10 years ago. I, I almost had a moment where I said, I, I, th I think I've heard her right. speak before, right. but I'm, I, I remember the topic. I think it was her that was speaking on that topic, but I'm not actually, this feels really different. Right? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking um, as we were talking to, with Cinnamon today, and um, Cinnamon's full, full name is Cinnamon Spear Kills First. So that's, uh, you know, honoring her tradition, honoring her, her presence. But last year this time, we were talking to a white supremacist, right. you know, who had, who had turned things around personally and, and was now involved in, in equity and justice work. Um, Mr. Christian's... Um, Chris Picciolini. Chris, yeah, Picciolini. And, and now here we are talking to an indigenous individual and, and how that's kind of shaped what we're hearing, what we're knowing, what we're learning at um, you know PLCC and SDLC, I think that that what you touched on, Amani, in terms of going into a room and understanding that there are you know standing room only, and there's success and there's there's perils in that. But I'm excited for the future of PLCC. I think that that um, what folks are going to take back to their their schools and and use. Is going to be you got, like you said, two thousand new folks right. who are going who are going back right. to schools on fire. Well, you know. and 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 let's not forget the other piece of that puzzle from a new person's perspective. So I'm I'm thinking about you know I've got eighteen on my name badge. Amani sitting here with twenty six on his name badge. I got sixty six. Art, Art, Art didn't put the sticker. I got sixty six years of. I got sixty six years so, of. Attendance. So we we experience this conference in one way new folks at POCC experiencing it another way. And we all remember what that first time here yes. was like for us and how impactful that was. I think the other group that I always have to remind myself of is the, nearly that entire group that's coming to SDLC is coming for the first time, yeah. right? And leaving with that new first time experience. There are always a few in that group who are coming back, right. Right, who have had the opportunity to come back and experience it in a different way. But I think about how just utterly mind-blowing and life-changing my first POCC experience was. And I really am thinking about students having that. The student group has that almost every year, right? Because so, so many of them are new. Without outing how old anybody is, Not at all. When, we, when we first started coming, uh, there wasn't a student conference. Right. And so that, that, that is a really deliberate and interesting change to how the conference has evolved. Mm. Um, for the first time, I am coming with a colleague who is coming as a faculty member who was a student. Through SDLC, interesting. Okay. And okay. I hadn't, I haven't had that experience before. And we were talking a little bit about the, just the perspective shift. So the idea that SDLC is a diversity conference has a slightly different focus than what POCC does in terms of supporting people of color and independence groups. Mm -hmm. They're they're just slightly different enough in their in their attention and focus that it, it makes for a really different experience. Yeah. Um, even if you grow and mature and, and grow in your career to come in a different capacity. To come back. Yeah, to come back in that capacity, sure, sure. I think it would also be important to say, too, we're not 
uh, although we have double digits on our name tags, uh, we are not the most veteran folks no. who are here. And, <laughs> no, no. and that's another really interesting part is to see how much of a family reunion this really is for so many who come back to the right. well each right. and every time to make those connections, uh, to, to, to hear and, and be with each other and invest back into the system of support, which which really is the foundation of POCC. Mm-hmm. I think I think maintaining the um, integrity of the conference is important too. You know, and, and I know there's probably a thousand ideas of what direction the conference can go in, um, but I think it is important to, as you just said, Amani, to keep that family reunion component of it. Um, it allows folks to come from all different backgrounds and still feel as though they can go back either rejuvenated or celebrated or all of the above. And, uh, you know, what, what POCC meant uh, even five years ago has changed dramatically to what it means right now. Um, but, you know, what are some things that maybe you would like to see, not necessarily implemented, but I mean, when you think of POCC, let's say 10, 20 years from now, hmm. what, are, what are your thoughts in terms of what it evolves into? Can we just change the question a little bit? Because one of the segments we're doing here is start, stop, and continue. Yeah, okay. so, so maybe we put it in this context because, one, we're, we don't we don't direct POCC. No, we don't. So, so thinking <laughs> nor, about, nor do I want to. <laughs> so, so, so I just want to let everybody know, even though we're sitting at these right, mics. Right. Hashtag. <laughs> I think it's important that we don't direct POCC, but thinking about the start, stop, continue model, okay. that's really what we're talking about. What do we want to, what would we like to start seeing happen here at a conference? Maybe right. what we stop seeing at the conference and what we continue? Mm-hmm. Right. Can we can we just just flip it a little flip bit? Let's flip it away. Um, flip it go. away. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think in terms of start, I think that we have to. And actually, you, I think I heard you say this in the earlier interview, um, and it might have been Cinnamon talking about affirming people's journeys. I mm. think that we have to recognize the power and importance of mentorship, sponsorship mm. in some really formal ways. Um, whether it's the affinity group sessions that become tracked for the number of times you come to a conversation, whether mm-hmm. they're regional and POCC breaks into some smaller regional groups so we can bring a different level of power and intimacy together. Uh, one of the things I really want to continue to honor is the, the legacy of so many of the people who came before us. Yes. And at the same time, not silence people who are new to the conversation. Right. And I worry that sometimes 7,000 people makes that that much harder uh, particularly if you don't have somebody to walk you through new POCC orientation mm-hmm, or yeah. the opportunity to have that experience together. It yeah. requires something different. So yeah. for me, that that's one of the starts. The mentorship and sponsorship piece. Yeah. Formalizing, Formalizing the mentorship and sponsorship yeah. because I think that that's part of what makes the whole experience really valuable. There, is, there are academic pieces here. There are very concrete curricular pieces here. And there are personal, social, emotional pieces here that are part of what keep us engaged in independent schools and in, in, in our school leadership um, that I think is worth affirming and, and formalizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me, so Art and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, there's the dynamic that you experience when you enter POCC which in, in, I think for most folks feels like a very supportive and warm and welcoming step to take, right? right. 
And then there's the dynamic that you experience when you leave POCC and you re-enter your home school on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So thinking more intentionally about how we support folks in that transition um, in two ways. One, just emotionally, right? When you're going back into a different space. And two, uh, I, there's a guy who works with me who always talks about when he does professional development. Yeah. He always asks himself in the course of doing that professional development before he leaves whatever setting he's in, he always identifies for himself what the Monday morning impact is going to be. Right. So what's the one thing I'm taking away from this conference that I can launch in a practical way that's going to impact my school community upon my return? Right. Right, away. Cause, right away. Right away. Because there's these two there's these two pieces to being here. Right. One is support and rejuvenation and the family reunion. But the other is that we're here to work. Right. Yes, and we're right. here to advance the work that's going on in our schools and the, in the areas of diversity and equity and inclusion. And, right. Like so. How do we do that, right? And what's the one practical thing I can take home for Monday morning and say, here we go. Yeah. We're going to get it rolling. Yeah. So I'd, having a, I think in the um, start, I guess it would be category, it would be providing a more concrete roadmap for what that looks like, thinking mm-hmm. more intentionally about what those two things look like. And maybe and, even a way to bring that, to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So your Monday morning meeting is the same as your Monday morning meeting. Right. Something to be thoughtful about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before you answer the start, if you're listening to the podcast right now, one of the opportunities you have is to engage in the start, stop, and continue. So if you're interested in sharing your thoughts on this topic, Andre is there in the back. Uh, he would be happy to help bring you up and have a conversation about what you think we should start, stop, and continue. And continue. Go ahead. Yeah, my start would be... Um, I think we need to talk more about mental health. Um, I think we, you know, understand what what this space does for everyone, um, what it means to be part of this community, both here and when you return to your independent school, your your respective school. But I think we need to demystify the need for mental health, and I'd love to see those conversations start here. Um, you know, many of us are working through what we believe to be a temporary moment, but actually is a lifetime of anguish. Um, and I think that that was prevalent this morning when we talked about, when, you know, when the keynote talked about uh, post-traumatic, um, you know, disorder around slavery or the enslavement of people. And many of us are carrying uh, emotional baggage that, that needs to be discussed um, just like, you know, if you, if you roll your ankle, you go to a doctor, you go to an ankle specialist, um, that feeling of, of hurt or maybe even just emotional fatigue might be something that needs to be addressed by somebody who can treat the ankle sprain in your mind. Uh, but um, I hope that we can continue these discussions because I know that people of color, particularly, always, not always, I'm, I'm generalizing now, but... Uh, there's a frequent tendency to explain it away because you, that's just what we do. Um, so if we can if we can move in that direction, that would be that would be spectacular. Or we can continue to move in that direction, I should say. Yeah. Do you remember the moment in her slide presentation? She talked about what causes trauma, and yes. there were there were there was the comment about things that happen to you things that you do to others and things you observe. I can't remember the language exactly, but the third bullet was about the things that you didn't address mm. or, 
and I, that's really that speaks to me as you as mm-hmm. you talk about the the things we don't even necessarily know we're absorbing right. or struggling with or carrying with us. Um, this may have always been here. I've never noticed this before, but there's a space on the second floor that's a quiet room. Yeah, right. And so there's a space for you to go if if you need to process something right. outside of the hub or outside of these other spaces. I don't believe it's staffed. I'm not sure. But the idea that there is a space is at least a nod to the recognition exactly. of that important part of the work. Um, and I think that's part of the reason you see so many people out after the last session each and every day uh, to find their own community to process uh, process in some really important ways. But mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's right on. There's yeah. also a spot, a zone, where you can get a chair massage. I saw art processing over there <laughs> earlier. Right, a good spot for him. I can, hey, I can, I can process a chair I massage. Can. I can. I can. That's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> what, about, what about the stop piece? that's the start what about the stop piece uh you know stop is always so hard because i feel like there's we're we're always trying to do everything Uh, for me the stop is really recognizing that we can't do it all and do it all well stop stop trying to do everything well i I think it's a moment to pause we're we're change agents we want to be better in our schools and so we spend so much time thinking about what's next what's the next big thing Right. And we will add things to our plate without the recognition that we have to take something off. Yeah. So I don't know that I have a specific stop other than the recognition that you can't add without without subtracting. W- without subtracting. Yeah. So we right. have to be able to stop doing something. And in this work, it's so important that sometimes we have to sort of move that in a different direction. Right. But, it, but it sounds like we're going to pause here for a second mm-hmm. because I think we have someone to contribute a start, stop, and continue to, to the pod. So we're going to invite somebody up. <laughs> let's make sure that, uh, Andre, let's make sure that mic is hot. So we're welcoming, we're welcoming Jeff to the pod. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. How you being, Monty? Good. Uh, wonderful, right. wonderful. Jeff, where are you? I'm at Morgan State University, man, in the oh. DMV. Okay. All yeah, right. right. Fantastic. Yeah, right on. How, I can't see how many times have you been to POCC? Uh, this is my fourth visit to POCC. Okay. Yeah, fourth okay. visit. And you're presenting as well? What are you presenting? Yeah, so yesterday I did an equity seminar uh, dealing with self-care for educators. It was called You're Not Crazy, You're Not Alone. Wow. And so right. I was looking at how right. can we protect ourselves in the face of everyday racism, implicit bias, as well as uh, yeah, some of the uh, more subtleties of racist interactions. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. And so tomorrow I'll also be presenting a workshop along the same lines. And I'll be presenting 10 tips for educators to apply to themselves, you know, when they're in the face and the throes of all these implicit biases and racism. You want to give us a sneak peek at just one of them? Oh, yeah. What's, so what's one, one tip that's going to draw us in to find out about the other nine? <laughs> this is your Monday morning thing. This is my Monday morning thing. I'm, going to take away. Thing. I'm looking you for my Monday morning thing. It's only Thursday afternoon. Right? <laughs> that's how I work. <laughs> I dig. So one of them is uh, meditation. Okay. And right. to incorporate, incorporate meditation into your daily practice. Uh, and meditation is typically threefold. You have a breathing, intentional breathing. You have visualization as well as uh, some type of verbal affirmation or mantra. And so I actually taught this in the equity seminar yesterday at a very slow rate of breathing. So you get into a mode to where you're breathing four breaths per minute. So that's a five-second inhale, a five-second holding of the breath, and then a five-second exhale. So you're being very deliberate and counting five in, five hold, and then exhale slowly to a count of five. 
And if you do that four times, that's one minute because it's 15 seconds per breath. And what you've done is you've effectively not only intentionally began breathing, but you've slowed your rate of breathing down, which calms you down almost instantaneously. And so if you can do that for about five minutes at the start of your day, then you're doing something really beneficial for yourself. But if you can also take that and apply it anytime you're in a situation that's kind of stressful to you, then you're also counteracting the physiological stress response that you're naturally going to kick into when you're in a situation. So, for example, if you're being called into a meeting with parents who might be a bit cantankerous, you know, or you know, kind, of, kind of abrasive in their approach. No. You, that oh, never no. happens. It's totally one of, hypothetical. One of my favorite words, by the way, in the, like, cantankerous. Cantankerous. Just the way Jeff said that. Cantankerous. It's got a feeling to it, don't it? Right. It does. It does. I, I felt it across the table over here when you said it, yes. I, I felt it. I did. I did. Physically. Because it's like that, you know? Right. So if you know that you're going into one of those meetings, you can just slow yourself down, get you a good couple of minutes of that rate of breathing in, and then you go in with your baseline very low. Right. right. So if something does stress you out, it's not going to put you over the top. Right. It might raise you to your normal level, you see? Yeah. And so that's kind of a proactive, protective technique. And it's very beneficial. And uh, one other quick one that deals with the uh, neuroscience is now studying. My background is a clinical psychologist. Okay. Okay. So neuroscience is catching up, you know, to some of the ancient meditative practices. And they're verifying that body posture, you know, actually can counteract some of the cortisol, you know, the stress hormone being released. And it can also increase your assertiveness and confidence. Mm. And so right. one thing I talked to me yesterday is the why pose. You know, when the boxers, they throw their hands up yeah, and they win. Sure. Like Muhammad Ali would throw his hands up and dance. Right, yeah. right. And so that kind of, that literally builds your testosterone and your assertiveness and your confidence. You know, when you, before you go into a situation, if you just kind of, yeah, just kind of celebrate yourself before you go in. Whether you're going in to negotiate for yourself, negotiating a raise, negotiating a hire, uh, negotiating, uh, getting your trip to PLCC covered. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you so just, can you imagine at lunch? Yeah, uh, right, yeah, right, just, like, yeah you know, just, <laughs> got it. You know, There'll be a session on that tomorrow. Right. <laughs> How to negotiate PLCC. Yeah, it was, you get it covered. You know what I yeah. mean? And okay. so and those are the type of things that I teach. You yeah. know, and they're yeah. very practical. Uh, very beneficial. It's almost instantaneous response. Yeah. Now, Jeff, I know we brought you over here to do a start, stop, continue, but <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in hearing more about how you got into doing this work. Uh-huh. I know you've got a background in clinical psychology. Yes, How'd you get into doing this work with independent schools? Okay. Well, so my wife, she kind of brought me into the independent school realm. Okay. Ah. Yeah. She's actually director of equity, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion at Berry School in Maryland. Okay. okay. And so, uh, so she got me, she started pulling me in and cause I've always done professional developments for educators. Uh, internationally, St. Kitts and Nevis uh, 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 Department or Ministry of Education, uh, Gambia Ministry of Education, Ghanaian Ministry. So I've been around the world working with ministries of education. He said, "Bruh, you all international with it. Stay local. I got you." And so she brought me into doing it for independent schools. Okay. So I did, so I did like trainings, even with the youth. You know, I work with the children. I have I maintain a little bit of my swag, even though I got all this gray hair. <laughs> I'm still careful now. All right, I'm in good company. <laughs> that's why. That's why mine's calm. Hey, hey, you and me both. <laughs> salt and pepper and salt and pepper. We <laughs> earned all the salt. Yeah, this yeah. is called wisdom. But right, so I do go. a lot of workshops for kids as well as professional development for teachers. Not only about self care, but also in identifying racism. I used to run the Race Relations Institute at Fisk University. You know, which is an institute that was founded in the 1920s, uh, international, renowned, you know. And so I brought it into the realm of independent schools, and I feel very comfortable working with independent schools. Mm-hmm. Good, good. So That's an amazing story, actually. Yeah. So let's, can we jump into the start, stop, continue? Yeah, uh, just give another intro just in terms of straight A's, though. Yes. We have a lot of new people in the space. 
Would you like me to do yes, that? Yeah. No, okay. You are perfect. <laughs> Tap. I thought that was Tap, like a, I thought that was like a theoretical. Like, no, no, no. wouldn't that be nice? No, yes, no, it no. would be nice. Yes, it would be. Actually, it would. For those who are just new to the space uh, here, since we came on the air, we are the Straight A's podcast. I am Abe Waymiller. This is Amani Reed. This is Art Hall. And our fourth A in the Straight A's is Andre Withers, who is out working the crowd somewhere, as he often does. Uh, we are independent school educators through and through, combined 80-plus years' experience in the field in various administrative and teaching and coaching positions. And our podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, any of your favorite podcasting platforms, is in season two and really just seeks to better tell the stories of independent schools, Um, either through our own sort of chop-up sessions where we're reflecting on our own experiences or by having various guests uh, on the podcast. And we're out here all week at POCC interviewing some of our featured speakers uh, and other folks are here at the conference. So we hope you take the opportunity to listen to some of the work that we're doing. Was that good, Amani? That got the job done? That's perfect. That is, that is perfect. That's exactly what I was looking right. for. <laughs> so let's jump back into maybe, Art, you can explain this one again just so we, for, uh, to preface it with the, with the start, stop, and continue and how that works, and then we're going to let Jeff all right, do so, that for us. I mean, what we've, what we've come up with is just a little, you know, quick hitter is what we'd like to refer to it as. Start, stop, continue. What would we like to see independent schools or some of our communities start doing? Uh, what would we like to see some of our communities stop doing? And then, you know, ending on a positive and successful note, what would we like to see our communities continue to do? Uh, and we've had various, you know, um, uh, examples of, you know, s- stop um, holding identity back. Start allowing voices to be heard and then continue to create spaces and continue to celebrate the individual. Continue to understand what it means to be um, unique and, and be in a space like this where so many identities come to play. So... Jeff, understanding that crude example that I just threw at you, start, stop, continue. What are your, what are your thoughts? So the, one of the first things that come to mind in regards to start would be to, uh, I would like for independent schools to start aggressively incorporating racial diversity into their leadership and their administration. Right. Because I find time and time again, the administration looks almost the exact same one school to the next. Um, and not only racial diversity, but also gender diversity. You know, I don't find many women at the top. Right. Uh, as head of schools in many of our independent schools. Uh, but that racial diversity piece, I feel that's very important because more and more of the student population is becoming diverse, racially diverse. Yes. We got more and more, especially African-American children coming into independent schools. And the administration, as well as many of the, the, the teachers, you know, are typically white. And if our students can't relate and if the teachers can't relate to the students, we run into all types of issues. I mean, I've consulted time and time again with schools where, as an educational advocate, to where a child, particularly an African-American child, is at jeopardy of being expelled because there was a cultural disconnect. And because of that cultural disconnect, there was a misinterpretation of the severity of a a transgression. Right. And, you know, that, that could be zero tolerance in a heartbeat. And I also have had that experience in public schools. And so I see where that disconnect could be, um, it could be detrimental not only to the current school placement, but it can jeopardize their future placements as well because it, some things go on their record. Yes. You know, especially if you know, teacher thinks that a child could be potentially violent because they were reciting particular hip-hop lyrics. You right. know, it's a song. I had to tell one, one leadership team that people go platinum, you know, and make millions and millions of dollars 
making songs like this. Right. And if you could show me your homecoming playlist, I can guarantee you had songs that were way worse <laughs> than what this child was reciting. Right. And not right. only that, and the main issue was that you knew the people that this child was talking about. Right. And I, was, right. You know, I asked a simple question. You ever heard of Ether? You know, that's when Nas went at Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean... <laughs> You know, I think we could we could we could go there. You know, we could, you know I mean, there's there's plenty of songs. Uh, this is a family show, right? Right, right. Yeah, right. So we won't this, this rated G podcast is brought to you by. So we won't recite any Ether lyrics, but right. you know, it but you exists. know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, there that's was on my playlist for later, yeah. later, later, yeah. later, later. Check it out, man. Well, you, it's funny because there was a gentleman who came to a school that I was working at, and to your point, pulled up uh, some lyrics and said, "This is what you are up against." This is, this is what you are up against, not pointing fingers, not blaming anybody, but understanding that this is, you know, not just, not just brown and black kids, but white kids, too. That's right. Um, you are starting to see a movement in which kids are looking to pop culture to give them what we're not giving them. That's right. In the classroom. So, it, and, and it's, we don't, I don't want to get into whose fault it is, because I don't think it's a fault. Right. I think it's just, you know... It's a situation. It's a situation. Yeah, it's a, it's a situation. It's a okay, situation. so Jeff, your start is you want to start more aggressive hiring practices for people of color in leadership positions. That's people right. of color and women in leadership positions. Absolutely. Right? That's your start. Give us a stop. A stop. And so because we're talking about independent schools, mm-hmm. oftentimes we have a business model. I mean, we're business first because mm-hmm. you know, we have to keep enrollment up. We have to maintain certain numbers because we are independent. And so I would like for us to stop putting business first. Mm. And I know that's kind of tough, but education is an interpersonal type of situation more so than a business, which you want to be effective. And so if you have a business first model, then what you have is you're looking at the numbers and what's going to keep the numbers up. If we have full tuition paying students and parents, they sometimes will get priority, which is not... It's not just, you know, I've run into situations where the kids actually know that some of their peers are getting preferential treatment because they're full pay and tuition students. And that's just not cool. And it develops a bias. And so if we can find a way to get around that business first model, I think that we can have a more equitable situation inside the classroom and especially amongst the students themselves. Uh, Because, you know, our students are very sharp. They're astute. They pick up on these things. And so the, the stop stated plainly, stop the business first model. Big shout out to the, our CFOs in the house. Yeah, what's up, CFOs? We, we st- who can we st- help us figure that out? <laughs> there, you go. I think, there you go. We we got love for you. We got we got love for you, CFOs. Yeah, it, it matters. I mean, we do have to have business. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but, it, but equity and access is real. It's, yep. it's real for our schools, and it's real for the future of our schools. Right. Uh, part right. of what we're seeing uh, across the country is the model changing, not just the business model, meaning they have to turn a profit. I think the actual model of, in terms of how we structure the governance yeah. of our schools, mm, yeah. how we actually deliver our content and curriculum, yeah. whether that's an online opportunity, some sort of a hybrid combination, joint programming, and the number of schools that are talking about merging is changing at a tremendous rate. But yeah. We, we don't really answer the questions in terms of the start, stop, and continue. Right. But I think it's fascinating. That's not our role. I think it's right. I yeah. think it's right. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so right, you Jeff. gave us a start. You gave us a stop. Yeah. What's your continue? What's your continue? I would say continue being courageous and progressive. Yes. I mean, because you yeah. have to have courage to be independent. Mm-hmm. 
I don't care what you're talking about. You know, going back to the hip hop. If you want to be an independent hip hop artist, you have to be courageous. Independent school, you have to be courageous because basically what you're saying is, I'm going to step out here, I'm going to shoulder this risk, and I'm going to forge my own path. You know, I might ride in the lane that other people have carved before me, but at the same time, I'm standing on my own two feet, going to carry the school, and I'm saying it as an individual, but I'm saying as the collective team at that school. Mm -hmm. And so that requires courage. And it also requires you to be progressive because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Right. And so I say maintain that attitude, maintain that disposition, because that's what's going to ultimately guarantee the success of our institutions as independent schools. So right. continue being courageous and progressive. Yeah. And I, th- I think that you and you, Jeff, when you pointed out more and more African-Americans are coming towards uh, the independent school world. Yeah. Um, I, I believe, I fully believe, and I have no research to back this up, but I fully believe that we are seeing the second wave of Brown versus Board of Education. Mm. You know, you're seeing a lot of African American families who now have had the privilege of being educated, uh, have worked through a college, have worked through grad, post grad, um, and now they're looking for opportunities because they, they know what it's like to go through, and some of them have been prepared and some of them weren't prepared, so now they're looking to independent schools and they're saying, here we go. But to your point, Jeff, if, if, if you come into this world, this independent school world, and you're not prepared, there can be many times when you walk away from it thinking, ah, there's a reason why I didn't. There's a reason why I didn't. But the independent school world changes lives. Yes, absolutely. It changes lives. Um, um, and I, I, mean for the, I mean for the good on that. Yes. I mean for the good. Absolutely. Yeah, the opportunities presented at independent schools, whether you're talking about class size, uh, the freedom to implement different curricula, you know, the, the, the freedom to implement different approaches to the standard curricula. You right. know, I mean, all of those are opportunities for growth. It helps us to tailor and meet the specific needs of our student population. Yeah. Uh, but our efficiency and effectiveness in that approach it depends on the preparedness of our teachers and our administration. Right. And so if they have tunnel vision still and don't understand, you know, the racial, cultural competency aspect of it, you know, then we can miss it, you know, and we can actually send the children away more injured than when they first came in. And so it's very, very important because we're being bold enough to say we can do it for us to be as prepared as possible to actually take, you know, and carry it through. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned, I learned a lot from Jeff. One, I'm not breathing right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually a little, I'm a little afraid you're going to practice that. Right. I'm nervous. Clearly, clearly clearly this brother is not breathing right. I wake up every day. I'm like, (laughs) See, that's that shallow breathing. <laughs> and, uh, just a real quick point. So how do you know if you're breathing right? Look mm-hmm. at an infant. When you see an infant sleeping, yeah. well, how do you know that baby is breathing? Mm-hmm. What do you see moving? The, the chest. chest. It's not the chest. It's the stomach. Uh, if you look okay. at a baby at the big uh, old belly. For the record, they jumped in. I was going to say the stomach. There you go. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was. I had you on that. I had you on that. Because I, I, I do that. I got my monitor. I got 14 months at home. You look at that right? belly. I, look right? at, I was like, oh, go, 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 go. How are your kid? But that's how you know. Yeah. So we're talking. My, da- my chest. daughters would be like, "Dad, what are you looking at?" <laughs> 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 yeah, so, but we're taught to chest breathe. You know, it's that macho thing. But it's right. actually, if you look at the statues of Buddha, that's why the belly is extended like that. Because mm. you breathe in, and you push your belly out. When you exhale, you bring it in. And you're typically supposed to breathe in and out of your nose. Right. That helps with the regulated breathing. It's a slow inhale and slow exhale. Extend your stomach and draw it in on the exhale. Jeff, what session is your, what block yeah, is your session, your session tomorrow? tomorrow? My block, I'm in the, I believe I start at 11.15. Okay. okay. Uh, and it's okay. called You're Not Crazy, You're Not Alone. You're, you're not, not crazy, you're not alone. Yep. Jeff, 
Thanks for being with us on, Man, on, on the podcast. The we we appreciate friend. the right. opportunity to talk to you. And again, folks, we are the Straight A's Podcast. This is Art Hall. This is Amani Reed. I'm Abe Waymiller. This is Andre Withers, the fourth of the four A's. And we'll be out here uh, this afternoon and tomorrow interviewing various folks from the conference. And we'd encourage you to think about that theme of start and stop and continue. Oh, um, and continue and, to hit that like button. A, a lot, lot. <laughs> right? Because we are on Spotify, we are on iTunes, and, and we'd love to have you subscribe and listen to a bit of what we're doing. So thanks for those who are listening, and uh, we'll be back soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the conference.